Hey, everyone else has had a go at the royal winky in recent weeks, and now it's our turn. We are going to trash those Windsors up one side and down the other. And we also talk about Jonah Hill's therapy documentary on Netflix. And we do a deep dive on gender norms that ends up in a bit of a revelation for one of us. And you'll have to stick around to find out which one. But one more thing before we start. When we were talking about gender, we brought up what the right-wing fascists have been up to. And I made an angry but kind of glib comment about suicide. Now, I meant what I said, and I don't feel that I need to edit it out or change it, but something happened between the day we recorded that and the day I'm recording this now that changes the way I feel about how I said it. So just a minor content warning and a reminder that The Bitch in Boutique is all about mental health and openness and honesty. And if you're in crisis and in the U.S., call or text 988 or go to 988lifeline.org to reach the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And if you just need some friends... You've got two right here. All right. On to the royal peen. Welcome to Pitney and Amelia's Bitchin' Boutique. We may be awful, but But we're we're right. God, I can't, I can't, I can't get over the fact that for the first time ever, um, YouTube isn't uh, slapping us with a copyright violation. That's terribly oh, exciting. that's so fabulous. It isn't the thing I'm most excited and happy about right now, but it's still fr- pretty fucking. Exciting. Oh yeah, because I, you know, like I told you, we like actually we went through that shit with the Salon ritual. Yeah, we got permission from the band and the publisher. Yeah, but YouTube doesn't know that. To YouTube. Yeah, but YouTube doesn't know that. And it was just like it's impossible to even communicate with them for anything. Yeah. It was just a yeah, anyway. Yeah. yeah. I've I've finally I've finally gone uh I've finally gone truly public domain <laughs> with our music. Oh, yeah, yeah. So in this <laughs> I always intended to be, but I never quite made it there, but now now we are. Anyway. Anyway, anyway, so Pitney, Pitney, what's bitching? What's bitching with you? Oh my God, I have a new <laughs> obsession, an absolute obsession, and I'm dying to know what you think of it because I don't know which side of this controversy that you may fall in. I am completely obsessed with Prince Harry this week. Oh, I kind of am too, a little bit. Because I, and this is totally coincidental, I did not know the book was coming out. Just coincidentally on Netflix, I ended up 
completely binge watching and staying up till three in the morning when I had to work the next day watching all of Harry and Meghan. You watched the documentary? Oh my god. I loved it and I totally fell in love with Prince Harry. And were I Were you think, not were you not already? Were you no, not oh. I was indifferent to any of it and I mean if I I'm gonna Meghan like any of those fabulous. People. If I mean I am not a royal per- a royals person. Oh, me but neither. But the only one worth giving any of my time to has always been Prince Harry. Always. Because he's the only one that fucking mattered. And because, he's so cute. Oh my god. Well, I I still believe that Charles is not his father. I still believe that Diana must have had an affair because there's some other guy out there. I can't remember that guy's name, but he looks just like Harry. And I, I just, I just love him. I loved him ever since he was the cute little ginger kid. And, and you know, I always love the gingers anyway. I'm obsessed. And so I've watched, you know, on YouTube, the Colbert thing that was just aired, but I didn't. That was so good. That interview was excellent. Highly recommend everyone watch it. And I watched the 60 Minutes interview with him, and I thought it was great on YouTube. Ooh, I don't think I knew he was on 60 Minutes. Oh, I mean, yeah. And then he did um, an interview with Michael Strahan. Oh. And I got to see part one. Okay. On YouTube, but I wasn't able, able to find part two, so maybe it's not out there, or it's not, but anyway. But uh, I'm just, like, smitten with him, and I think he's genuine, and I think he's neat. And watching the documentary... Oh, wait, but before you go on, have you heard the audiobook clip of him talking about rubbing the Elizabeth Arden cream on his dick? No, I need to hear that. <laughs> It has to do with the frostbite on his dick. It has to do with that. I will send it to you. <laughs> oh, I need to hear that. I'm just hearing him talking about it in his own voice. Is it's, so, it's so good. And speaking of dicks, and I'm going to say one sentence. We're going to leave it at this because we're not going on to this topic again. But it is but, our show, so it has to be said. But he's British. And I'm attracted to him, so I always thought that he had the ugly turtleneck. But in his book, he says out he does not. He is circumcised. Wait, how do you, wait, how do you know that? How do you, wait, I haven't heard that. It's in the book. Because there is people online, and we didn't need to know that. Wait, why was he circumcised? Why? I don't know. And apparently it's explained, but I didn't. I don't know yet. <gasps> Ooh, does the ooh? But I'm surely excited. that doesn't mean that William is. Oh my god! I'm excited then because I'm like, ooh, he's gonna divorce Megan and marry me. I need to know why. I wonder if he got to. Did he get circumcised as an adult? I I don't know. I haven't read the, but I did buy the book. I bought the I, book at work yesterday. You bought- I bought it yesterday at work. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Okay. But anyway, that's my thing, is Harry. uh, I, you know, because I, well, like I said, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not into the royals. I, I never, 
have been, but every so often if there's something if there's something just really juicy or crazy, I'll I'll get sucked into it. But I gotta say, um one aspect to this that actually just just today, really, um, that I saw someone talk some British person talking about that I thought was really interesting that I had not really thought about because um, it was sort of in response to people talking about the level of sort of TMI mm-hmm. that the book is um, like, you know, him talking about things like frostbite on his dick and whatever. And what they were saying, it, they, they just sort of put it in a, in a perspective that I think Americans wouldn't, wouldn't go to. And that is that the British press, the British tabloid press is so disgusting Mm -hmm. and they are so invasive that the kind of shit that they print is that level of invasive. And they, this person was saying that, they were thinking that because they have gone so after him and Megan that he was trying to, because, you know, I mean, their part, their whole thing of leaving the country was to try to escape that. Yeah. And people were saying, how, how, how on the one hand are you saying, leave us alone? But on the other hand, you're putting all this shit out there about yourself. And this person was explaining you, if you put all this shit about yourself out there on your terms, you're saying it, then the tabloids can't go, ooh, you know what he put on his dick when it was frostbitten? Because he already fucking told us. Yeah, So yeah. they can't do any, they can't say anything about him that he hasn't already told us. So... Yeah. It, so it really is a way for him, even though it seems like an insane thing for him to do, but it's like a one-time get it all out there and everyone's talking about him right now, but then once this is done, he can disappear. I know, you know? And, and, and I'm sorry, his family can fuck the fuck off and oh, let God. him and his wife live their lives and fuck off. And his fucking pedophile uncle and his, it's like, just... Oh God, they're just, they're fucking garbage people. And it's like, oh, it's just so, you know, one of my favorite things, like when he, when they were first getting married and the press was first starting to attack her, um, Jeannie Yashiri, who is an amazing, uh, British comedian who her family is from, uh, Nigeria and she is absolutely brilliant. I love her so much. She was sort of, um, she was sort of a correspondent on the daily show for a little bit. And, um, she was sort of explaining from the, you know, she was explaining how disgusting the British press is. Mm -hmm. And she was explaining how, you know, how everything the British press said about Megan was racist in like couched, you know, disguised language, you know, things like calling Megan, you know, straight out of Compton and it's, you know, and, and things like, uh, talking about, you know, Megan 
coming from a different kind of family and, and making a big deal about how she came from a broken home. And it's like, oh, you know who else came from a broken home? Prince Harry. Right. It's yeah, like, totally. hello, we know. It's like no one, no one's family has more like traumatic, you know, parents than that fucking guy. So it's like, and we all know it. So stop acting like her family is so fucking weird. Yeah. And it you was know. interesting. Like, I never was into Princess Diana. Like, so many gay men were like, oh, really into Princess Diana, right? Right. I mean, I never thought anything, one thing or the other. It's like, oh, whatever, you know. Right. But I seen all, you know, in that documentary, there's a lot of video clips of her dealing with the paparazzi. Oh, yeah. And I remember seeing, and I do remember actually now, like, seeing the few interviews that I watched with her and stuff at the time, that she was really fed up with them, but I never really thought anything of it. But you can see the level of frustration and anger. Oh, yeah. And almost despair in her face that they would not leave her the fuck alone. Yeah, and because she belonged to them continuous somehow. clips of her trying to hide from them and telling them to go away. And I guess an quote-unquote infamous, and the only reason I think this is infamous because this is what they said in the documentary, right? Right. But it was pretty striking of her coming back from playing tennis, holding a tennis racket overhead and telling them to go away. Right. And, I mean, you could see, like, the anger and the despair in her face. Sure. And that's what St. Harry and St. Megan have had to deal with. Right. And apparently, cunt William Ugh. and asshole Kate love yeah. it. They just love it. Yeah, it's I guess. Like, I, yeah, I I used to I used to really think of like Harry and William as like that they would have to kind of be the same and like oh poor William's under all, all under all this pressure. But like William is he's way too much like his father. Like he's just, you know, he had to he he got the asshole gene, I guess. And I just oh it just makes me it just makes me angry and it's like oh no, fuck them. You know, yeah, and like, what about you know, cunt, what about cunt Camilla? Oh, she can, she's utter garbage, <laughs> utter fucking garbage. And I don't How care that I ain't from people. the UK, I got an opinion, and it's right. I, I'm sure if we have any listeners, and we, and we actually do have listeners in the UK, but our listeners in the UK, I'm really sure. That they're like fuck the monarchy, fuck the royal family. I am I'm Team pretty Harry. sure. I'm pretty sure that they really have no love for the royal family. I'm pretty sure of that. Oh, it's so fascinating. Anyway, so that's yeah. my thing that I'm into this week. Hi, this is Two Girls on a Bench, the podcast. So we're two writers who tend to procrastinate just a bit. 
We like to snack. We like to talk. We don't have time to write, but we have time to do this podcast. We certainly do. Join us on the bench. Listen in. At number two, Girls on a Bench. Mine, what's bitching for me? Would you like to ask me what's bitching? Oh, yeah, Would so like girl, to- what is bitching for you? Well, what is, what's interesting is that what's bitching for me also happens to be a Netflix documentary. Up oh. until, literally up until last night, I had something completely different planned. I had something else that was very, that was very just wholesome and lovely, and I was very excited to talk about it, but last night, everything fucking changed. So, so last night, I watched a documentary called Stutz, S-T-U-T-Z. Oh, I haven't even heard of that. Okay, so apparently it came out in like November sometime? Okay. But I guess it hasn't really been promoted. And I found, I didn't find out until today, actually, that um, it wasn't really getting promoted because. uh, Can you hear the neighbor's dogs barking? I can. You can. Okay. I'm just going to go ahead and mention it because that way I don't have to. That way I don't have to. I just had an airplane and thunder happen. So whatever. Oh, well, I didn't hear that. (laughs) But I I was just thought, because it's so fucking loud. The dogs across the street. It's so fucking loud that I thought, I'll just go ahead and mention it. And that way I don't have to make a huge effort to try to edit that sound out. Because now the, the listeners know that, yes, I hear it. Yeah, I can hear it. it. And by the way, just while you're saying that, if anybody hears weird noise in the background, if you see the news, you know I'm going through all this shit in California right now. There's a thunderstorm going on right now. We just said thunder. So yeah, you guys have had shitty, shitty weather. So yeah, you know. know, So if you hear like, although weirdly in the background, it's not hearing it, but you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. The the mic always picks up weird stuff that I don't notice until until you send me the recording later and it's like, "Oh, that sounds different." And then you're anyway. like, "Oh fuck." Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Stutz. <laughs> so, what Stutz is? Well, the re- the reason I think why it wasn't promoted is because um because Jonah Hill hasn't has decided that he just for his own mental health, he can't he can't do promotional stuff right now. So Jonah Hill, the actor who who just by coincidence a year ago, I actually talked about him a little bit during when you were on hiatus and I was doing my own episodes, um, the episode called fatness. Um, I talked about Jonah Hill a little bit because he had, he had asked people to stop commenting, um, on his body. And the reason why I brought him up was because, I was aggravated, not that he asked that, he had every right to ask that, but the fact that all of a sudden the media listened to someone asking that and acted like they were going to, you know, take it seriously. And it's like, really, a guy asks that? And all of a sudden everyone... Yeah, and I actually, now that you say that, I remember that conversation. I remember that being in the media. And and it was like, you know, women are begging people to stop 
commenting on our bodies, you know, whether we gain weight or lose weight or whatever. It's like, could everybody just stop? Because it's really not necessary to comment. But anyway, but so, so it's just a coincidence that about a year ago I, I talked about him, but he, so he decided to make a documentary about this guy, Phil, Phil Stutz, who Mm -hmm. is his therapist. Oh, interesting. Okay. And and Dr. Stutz is fucking amazing. And at first I'm thinking, well, you know, anyone who loves our therapist and, you know, anyone who listens to the show knows I love my therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you kind of you kind of feel like you know, any, if you, if your therapist has helped you, it kind of seems like, oh, well, everyone would want everyone to know their therapist because, oh, my therapist is so wonderful. But this guy is different. And the main, and the main reason why he's different, it is kind of addressed um, very quickly in the film. And that is that most therapists just sort of they give little bits of kind of guiding the conversation a little bit over time because they want you to get there. They want you to reach your own conclusions because it's more powerful and it's more whatever. But Dr. Stutz thinks that's kind of bullshit. And his thing is he, because the way he looks at it is he's had, he had a really fucking traumatic, horrible life. Which, you know, which we have, we learn a lot about his life. And Jonah actually found out a lot of stuff about him doing the documentary that he had absolutely no idea about um, until he did it. And the, the film ended up being very, very different than what he originally intended. Although the basic intention was, I want to capture all of Dr. Stutz's tools and ideas Mm -hmm. in a documentary because I want to be able to share it so that more people can benefit from this knowledge because his, his approach towards therapy is giving you these basic tools and approaches towards ways of looking at life and ways of looking at the way your brain works and the kinds of thoughts that come into your head and the way you can attack them and work with them. Um, and his, his feeling is like, you know, if you're telling, if you're talking about something that's going on wrong with you, he just has these little pieces of paper next to him and he'll just doodle a picture that sort of illustrates like, okay, so this is you and this right here is your problem. And what you're going to do is you're going to, you know, bust through it or you're going to climb over Mm -hmm. it or you're going to, and, and, and he hands it to you to take it home with you or whatever. And it's like all these, Oh, see, that's interesting. Okay. He's, but he has all this, all this stuff about, you know, what makes up your life force and what makes up, there's a thing called part X and part X is, is this thing that everybody has. And it's like, if you're, if your life is a movie, part X is the villain in your movie, but part X lives in your head and it's the voice that tells you you're a piece of shit. And part X, you are at a constant, you were never going to beat part X, but you're going to be in a battle with part X your whole life. And on all of his tools are about ways to 
different methods of beating Pardex in all the little battles. Mm. And the whole point of life is about moving forward. Every single day, mm-hmm. every action you take is about moving forward. Because you can't stay here. Wherever you are right now, That you don't get to stay here. Like if you're in bed, you have to get out of bed. And then you get, and then, you know, you have to, it's like, you got to get out of bed. You got to go to work. You got to do the next thing. You got to do the next thing. How am I going to get from here to there? And you just keep doing all these things. And it's, and it's like, if someone, if someone has never been in therapy before, they're going to go, wait, is this all that therapy is? It's like, ah, no, but... But but as you're but but, but as actually the, that's a good it's so brilliant that's a really good thing if like that sort of is all therapy is right it makes it such with a, layers it, yeah for right. sure and if someone if that's all they ever get yeah. that could help more people like people who might never go to therapy, so mm-hmm. many people can be helped with just that much information. Mm-hmm. And during the process of making the movie, um, like even just the act of making the documentary, they end up having discussions about how are we going to make this that change that have therapy like discussions that they end up putting in the movie. It's so about about being vulnerable and about being honest. Oh, I'm so curious now. It's okay, so let so me ask you this. Good. I was so, crying. I was laughing. Knowing I that was, oh, it's so good. Doing this documentary, his Dr. Stutz's patient, you know, yes. Jonah Hill. Yeah. Obviously got to know his therapist really well on a personal level. Yeah. There is their third therapeutic relationship just nil now, or they? Oh no, they're still. mm -mm. Are they still patient therapists? Because that seems a that seems a little weird to me. No, that I'm not sure how that would work. Well, I think I think some of that, um, I think maybe some of that, uh, might because of his because of his approach it might it might not be a problem with him just because his whole approach is based on I'm telling you this because I know it and part of the reason why I know it isn't just because I went to school oh, but I know okay. oh, it because so saying, I lived oh, the, it. the point of view you're saying the point of view from the doctor right now from oh, the doctor okay, I understand. right okay like for example I mean what one thing one thing I'll say um just because uh, you you find out pretty quickly that the doctor has that he has Parkinson's mm-hmm. because because very early an alarm goes off and he and he has to take his Parkinson's meds and you and like you know that like the camera zooms in and you see his his fingers are quivering and whatever and you find out through the course of the movie it's like not just does he have Parkinson's but he was diagnosed with Parkinson's in his twenties. He has had oh, Parkinson's. Wow. He's okay. had Parkinson's for like 50 years. That's fucking sad. So this guy, his life has been like, I mean, he talks about the kind of people his parents were. He talks about the way his mother was brought up, like what her parents were like, that his father was a complete psychotic, that, you know, he talks about 
you know, his relationships with his brother and all, you know, he talks about how his parents were two utterly different people and he doesn't know how they ever married each other because they were so fucking different, Mm -hmm. but they both like had such influence on him with the kind of personalities that they had and just, and just telling the story of his life and how, you know, how all these things affected him and how the kind of woman his mother was affected the way he felt about women. Like, the fact that he never really had a relationship, like he's been single his entire life, mm-hmm. you know, and they, you know, they talk very honestly about how they both kind of are like afraid of women judging them. And they're both, you know, it's like the most fascinating conversation. Oh my God. I want it. So is this, is it a movie or is it a miniseries? It's a, it's a one, it's like a 90 minute documentary okay. that I wish, I wish it was 10 hours long. Oh my I God. wish it would go on forever. And it's on Netflix. Oh, Amelia, I'm going to watch it tonight. That oh my God. Sounds, it's so, it sounds it's so, so interesting to me. Good. I'm totally going to watch it tonight. Yes. It's so good. And if you, and I don't, and since you don't know most actors, you yeah. probably have seen Jonah Hill in things. Like, I don't know if he's an actor that you know. I know his name. Yeah. But he's one of those actors that, like, you've probably seen him before, but you just never really paid attention. But by the end of it, you're going to be like, I want to go find movies that he's in. Because you're just going to feel <laughs> like you love him. There's a really good chance that you're going to recognize him because he's been in a lot. I mean, this is this yeah. guy's been nominated for an Oscar. This guy yeah, has yeah. been in dumb teenage comedies as like the fat friend. This guy has been in really serious great movies. This guy is I mean, this guy has done everything. And he's really really great. But he also has kind of in more recent years, he's kind of like fallen away from things because his anxiety and all of this other stuff has really kind of, he's been kind of like, I need to take care of myself. And like, I'm not going to pretend to not be a depressed, anxious, fucked up human being anymore. Yeah. I really, really love him. I really love him. Because that is so more important than living this Hollywood fucking bullshit. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that and sort fact- of goes into even mine with Harry. It was like, yeah, your mental health and your happiness and your post life is so much more important than this like man-made elitist bullshit. Like Hollywood or even the royal family is just man-made elitist bullshit, right? Oh, one hundred percent. What the fuck power do they have? Nothing. Only, only the power of of made-up influence of shit. Well, it's like, it's like the imaginary, I'm powerful because I told you I am, and I got you to believe me, and that's all that matters. Oh, it's so stupid. I just got this one thing to say about Camilla. Oh, uh uh-huh. Honey, you're never going to listen to this, but every picture that I've seen of you, every video I've seen of you, Camilla... Not only are you ugly and you look like a horse and you need better makeup, but your hair looks stupid. How has no one ever told her? 
her hair. How has no one God ever told damn, that it woman? Does not her hair look stupid? And it's always looked stupid. Like it's never looked good ever. And she looks like a goddamn horse. I mean, she is upper class British inbreeding, posh British people. Always Which means she looks like horsey. a horse. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's. it's almost not possible for upper class British people to be actually attractive. Which the is why goddamn Harry, it, her hair. Which is why Harry looks so good, because I think Diana fucked some medium to lower class guy. I don't know. Oh, I, I don't hope know. So. I don't know who the guy I was. I hope so. But he clearly was not Charles because horsey upper class British people yeah. who fuck their cousins. I mean, let's be honest, the Queen and Prince Philip were cousins. Let's not forget. Girl. Let's fucking not forget. Yeah, the goddamn anyway. royal family. That's what that's yeah, what monarchy but see, is. But there is like, you know, so there is a union between our two things somehow. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Little bit. We were kind of, you know, and yet if I'd gone with my original thing, it was a com- on the other side of the planet from what I was ended up talking about. So it worked out very well that that I saw a different movie last night. Um, I think we need to give them a thing, Spike. We can give them a drop that they can plan out their yes, show. Yes, I think we've uh, got to find some time and get get time to do, do that. I think we should do it right now. I think we should do it right now. Look, I'll show you how easy it is, Spike. <laughs> Watch this. I'm just going to do it live. Okay, do it live. Like that bloke screams. I'm just going to do it live. Watch this. Hi, this is Dr. Dan from the Two Skeptical... Ske- I can't do it now. <laughs> I can't speak. Too much pressure. I'll try again. I'll try again. I'll try again. Take 52. Hi, this is Dr. Dan from the Two Skeptical Chaps podcast, and you are listening to the most... Bitchin' Boutique. See? That was easy, wasn't it? Okay. They could send us one, we could play it in ass. Yeah, you yeah. Right, you do it. Yeah. Right, off What you do go. you want me to say? Whatever, whatever comes to mind. Hi, this is Spike from the Two Skeptical Chaps podcast, who ain't no bitch, but you're listening to The Bitchin' Boutique. Oh, that was good. I think I hope they use that. Let's see if they cut it and put it in their next show. Diplomatic community. So, God, the other day, um... I've been listening a lot to, um, I guess the podcast isn't that new, but um, it's called We Can Do Hard Things, and it's really fabulous. Uh, Glennon Doyle, I think is her last name? Anyway. Um, but uh, Tracy Ellis Ross was on there. I don't, you probably don't know who she is, but she's actually no. Dian- Diana Ross's daughter. But it's, oh, it's, okay. but she, and she's an actress and all this stuff, and an actress. Oh, how and all old this stuff. is she? Is Gene Simmons maybe her father? No, a guy named, whose last name was Ellis, is her oh, father. Oh, fooey. <laughs> uh, but she, but she is, um, but she's like our age. Okay. She's, but she's definitely Gen X, and she is, uh, she's fucking fabulous. She she's just she's so brilliant. I lo- I could listen to her talk forever. But she's like hearing hearing about like the world through the eyes of someone who grew up with Diana Ross as their mom uh-huh. is kind of a fascinating thing. And she's just like this this gorgeous, brilliant woman 
who grew up in the shadow of Diana Ross and yeah. like her idea of what like a woman is supposed to be was like that and it kind of affected the way like her own self-esteem and whatever and it kind of, it's like it's really it's kind of fascinating but she and she's also um you know she's in her 50s now cuz she's about our age and she's uh like you know she I no actually no she just turned 50 that's right because part of what she was talking about was her 50th birthday party that's right and she 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 didn't have like a big plan that she wasn't ever going to have kids but it turns out that she's not going to have kids because she hasn't had them yet well and good it's for not, her exactly that's just not going to happen <laughs> but you know it's just it's just working out that that's just not in the cards for her because she just hasn't had a relationship that's gone that way and she just seems to be determined just she's gonna be single and she, she just you know so her perspective on life is quite fabulous but she keeps sometimes she has to remind herself as a woman that you know what i have you know she's like i have to keep telling myself because the world keeps trying to tell me that that I'm a failure. And it's like, really? Cause I don't feel like a failure because I'm quite successful in my career and my yeah. life is pretty fucking great. And you know, so because of things like that, she made this comment um, on this podcast and she was saying how just, uh, just the fact that she said it this way really got my attention. And that was that she, she's recently realized that she's very appreciative particularly of the trans community for mm -hmm. keeping the discussion of gender out here where we all kind of have to face it because it kind of is helping everyone to think that who we are doesn't have to fit in some kind of a box mm -hmm. that like, you know, that it, it kind of helps the whole, you know, whether you want to call it feminism or whatever, but it's, it's way more than just feminism, but it's the idea of, you know, who you are is just who you are. Like it doesn't have, you don't have to fit anybody's definition of anything. And it just really clicked with me in a big way because you and I have talked about We've talked about gender and stuff on this show yeah, before, yeah. and it's come up. It's come up several times, and just the idea that conforming to your, you know, your gender stereotype or whatever is such a limiting thing, and the the more people, it's just it's like it's like a lot of pressure that nobody fucking needs. Like if. If you're a person who happens to fit into your gender stereotype, good for you. If you're comfortable and that's what you want, then that's great. But for anyone who doesn't, whether it's in your appearance or the, the kind of life that you have or what you want to do or the kind of job that you have or whatever, it just... And, and having, you know, having trans and non-binary and people out there being so open and kind of keeping the idea and keeping the conversation going yeah, is causing all of us boring cisgender people to think about that more. And I think the people who are so uncomfortable with that idea, if they would just let themselves 
unclench for a minute, I think they would realize that it actually is, it it's literal freedom. Like, those are the people who want to talk about freedom all the time. Yeah. There's nothing more freeing than letting go of those very rigid ideas. Yeah. You know, and I actually have interest, something interesting and topical to say about that, too. What's that? So I went with, you know, my friend Miguel, very macho, macho Mexican. Oh, yeah, full yeah. on into that culture, blah, blah, blah. I went to, fabulous time, by the way, fabulous time. I went to a big horse farm with him. Oh, I okay. was, there was no women there. I was the only white guy there. I was the only one that spoke English there, except for the owner spoke broken English, who was really nice, by the way. And I'm not, I'm just saying that as an illustration yeah. of the cultural sort of thing. This is bringing this up, right? Was he, like, friends with the owner? Yeah. Miguel yeah. was? Yeah. And so we went, and he basically just took me there because... He thought I would get a kick out of, one, seeing all the horses, which I did. Yeah. And two, having this, like, traditional, I guess, sort of like cowboy Mexican drink called pajaretes, which is... Never heard of that. Moonshine. Oh, no. Moonshine, coffee, chocolate... And goat milk straight from the udder. Ooh. And it was actually really fucking good. Well, I guess the moonshine would kill anything that w- it, it would instantly was pasteurize the milk. Really fucking good. And I had a fabulous time. But anyway, I'm not talking about how fabulous it was drinking moonshine with goat's milk <laughs> because that was fabulous, <laughs> right? But what I'm talking about related to what you were just saying is everybody there, there's probably like, I don't know, I want to say 10 other people, 10 other guys there, right? Right. Very different culture from mine, right? Very macho. And here's me like really, you know unintentionally faggy and feminine white gay guy. Yeah. I mean, you're not, you're not super feminine as gay guys go. You're not. No, but I'm pretty faggy. You're faggy. You can (laughs) sniff me out. And the reason I'm saying this in the context of this. Well, you're definitely faggy. Is that, um, Apparently, I was very excited about milking the goats. Of course you were. I could totally see that. And they were I like... I could totally see that you would love that. they were like, oh, is he gay? And the way that Miguel told me, it was like, that was not said in a friendly way. So, they were asking if you were, like, one of those. Yeah. yeah. And Miguel was like, oh, he's one of my best friends basically fuck off yeah and you know what after that they were so nice to me they were friendly to me they were talking to me 
Right. There was the, the owner of the land spoke really good English. One of the other people spoke not none of this so much, but I was able to talk with them and ask them about, you know, the animals in the farm and what they did there. And I felt like, and this may be less gender and more homophobia, but I think it's sort of enmeshed. Well, maybe. Yeah. But I was able to see, like, this hostility break down because they were like, oh, this guy that we really like. Like, vouched for you. Is really close to this guy. And so why don't we give him a chance? And I could see a difference. And it was really, really interesting. And like their, cause like their definition of of manliness didn't include you. Until, oh yeah, until I'm just Miguel that said, up like you know, like gender norms. It's just like there is not like you know some gay guy being like, "Ooh, how fabulous that I'm milking a goat!" Right? Sure. And they were freaked the fuck out about that, but they got fucking over it. Right. So right. I almost do feel like if there's familiarity, it can help people get over this shit. Well, yeah, I mean, but I think one of the problems that a lot of people have is people don't. Well, I think I think a lot of times they people that people. uh They don't they don't want to know anyone who isn't exactly like them. And they make a point to never leave their little bubble. And they and they believe the lies that people tell them about the people who aren't like I know, the but if they're forced like into it, like these guys were forced into Miguel bringing me there. Sure. They were like, oh, you know, they were like, well, I don't you know. Oh, my God. Like, I can't even pretend <laughs> to be a macho, oh, my God, voice, right? right? But you know what I'm saying, trying to say. But then they had to talk to me and they were like, oh, this guy's really awesome, actually. And they really liked me. Yeah. And I ended up them showing me around and showing me all this stuff. And I, I got to actually, this was actually a really special thing because not a lot of people get to see this. I got to see in a stable close up Somebody, you know, training one of the horses to do, like, the stomp dance to the mariachi music. Aww. It was really cool, and it's because I was Miguel's friend. That's cute. And it was like they were obviously able to see, uh, to look over the fact that they just thought me as just, like, this feminine faggot white guy. Yeah. But because I was well loved by somebody that they respected, they were able to get together. And I guarantee you, somehow in their mind, their interaction with me, having never met anyone like me before to speak to, somehow in their mind, that's going to change their idea. Yeah. Of gender different people. That's why I'm bringing this up. Sure. 
And it might even... I um, really do think it somehow changed their mind a little bit about others. Because they'll be like, well, remember that guy, Pitney, that Miguel brought over? Well, maybe this person is, you know? But it might even... I mean, I mean, I don't know. Some of them might be young enough that they're still sort of exploring who they are. And maybe, maybe it might, one of them might loosen up their butthole a little bit and expand what their own personality and mannerisms and whatever might be because they might, they might realize that they're they're acting a certain way because the guys at the stable act a certain way yeah, and, well, and maybe, they might but realize yeah, I know this is pretty much a whole bunch of old farts but you know you know maybe <laughs> but I mean that's you know that's one of those things like you know I'm, I'm always I'm always kind of aggravated by I mean, I mean, and and it's it's so true about like say you know when, I mean that was one of the things that I got to experience growing up and moving all the time, was every few years I was plopped into another completely different group of people, and so, you know when I moved to Texas, you know I've told this story before, but like for example, I landed into a school that had not not a single Asian kid. From any part of Asia. Oh, yes. Not that's so one. fucking weird, yes. And that coming from, you know, six years in California, and even everywhere else I lived, there was, I mean, why wouldn't there be at least one Asian, you know? Yeah. And it's like, sure, there were Mexican kids, and there were black kids, and whatever, but there was not one. Not one. And we didn't have one until we got an exchange student from Japan. Yeah. You know, and it was just like, I... You know, and what about trannies, faggots, or dykes? Well, I mean, we had those, but but imagine <laughs> in a school like that, you've got people who have such a limited experience on what the world is mm-hmm. that they can't... They, you know, they think they've... They think they've seen the world and they haven't seen outside their fucking county in the middle yeah. of Texas. And then, you you know, I get to college and there are people who come from other counties around. But I had professors who would who would say, I know you think you traveled to the big city to come to college, but this is not the big city. And you're you're going to be learning about the whole world here. So you cannot bring your little small town Texas brain and attitudes into my classroom. You know, if I'm, you know, if I'm talking like, for example, in like a a religion class, like if I'm talking about religion, I'm not talking about the church you grew up in. I'm talking about religion with a small R and I'm talking about the whole world and every religion there is. And you, you cannot, think you have the right to have an argument with me about that so but but that kind of a brain is already they're so restricted because they were raised to be restricted and it's like i it never occurred to me like i you know it's like it never occurred to me to be 
anything less than open-minded because I was 100% raised to be open-minded. But even I had, you know, I had to have little moments of, like, things like knowing that a non-binary gender existed. And it's the second I was aware that that was a thing, my mind went, and suddenly all these people that I knew made sense to me yeah, because yeah. I, my brain had been trying to put them in boxes and I couldn't because they didn't go in those boxes. But now that I knew there was this other option, it was like, Oh God, that's who they are. That's why, that's why they didn't fit in boxes because they, they those boxes weren't for them. And I think it's like, I, you know, the fact that there are so many people who like their brains are holding on so tight to all the little boxes that they were taught when they were children. But, but it's like, they're so, they're afraid. It's like, what are they afraid of, of opening up their fist? Like they're clenching their fist. And it's like, if you just unclench it a little bit. That's what I don't understand. Who the fuck cares? That's what I don't understand. If you just let your, if you let yourself relax a little bit and just, be more accepting like if you accepted other people you might it's like are you afraid you might start accepting something in yourself that's what i think it is because that's the only explanation like something that you used to think was wrong and you think there's something in you that you might realize oh i'm i'm not an abomination I've spent my whole life thinking I was an abomination and I, I just realized I'm not. And somehow that's a bad thing? It's like, no, how could that be anything but a great thing? I think thing? that's what it is. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. I remember just thinking about, like, Rocky Horror fandom and how much Rocky Horror meant to me. Sure. And so many other people with this whole thing. I remember my first, I wouldn't even call him a boyfriend, my first sexual encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, he fell in love with me. I did not feel the same way. It was just experimentation for me. And I feel guilty about that to this day, right? But we met through Doctor Who fandom and through Rocky Horror fandom. And um, I remember going to his house and spending the night. And I could have stayed in his room with him like you normally do at overnight, right? Right, for sleepovers. But he was so freaked out about what could happen. Even though it was already happening. And it had happened. Right. Right. That I slept on the couch. And I remember him talking about me. I mean, to me about Rocky Horror and being like, well, this is making me realize, uh, you know, Rocky Horror and this. And it's just sick and weird. It's just sick and weird. Really? Because he just couldn't deal with it. Because Rocky was the only outlet that he had for that understanding of 
Wow. Macho does not have to be macho, and male does not have to be male, and feel female, you know what I mean? But he just right. couldn't bring that into his real life, and eventually, of course, he was able to, because we got in touch with each other years later, and it was different, but you know what I mean. But he was, he couldn't quite figure out what it meant inside him yet. He was yeah. still trying to figure that out. And so, again, the reason I'm bringing this all up is because there's so much Republican bullshit right now to squelch any transgender, non-binary, and what I was talking about isn't even transgender, you know. Just gen- I was talking yeah. about, I guess, I, any, gender Anything, fuck. whether it's sexuality or identity, anything you know, having like to do with gender you are. fuck, non-binary, yeah. there's so much Republican fucking bullshit right now to squelch that. I'm just saying these stories to see how fucking harmful it is. Yeah. But with a little exposure, and that's what these Republicans want to do. They want to, you can't talk to these people. These people are rouse. These people are the devil. These people are Satan. These people mm-hmm. are evil. These people are degenerate. Right. They want to eliminate contact. And eliminate positive connection. reinforcement of Because I guarantee, you know, I don't care what a big fucking asshole you are. You connect with your cousin's gay best friend. I don't care how much a redneck motherfucker you are. You're gonna like him. And that's gonna change your opinion. And that is going to somehow change your mind a little bit. And that will put that out there. Yeah. But all this agenda right now wants to take all this shit away because they don't they don't want contact. Well, I think I think uh, um, I think the number one thing, and as as awful as this is, because you know a fascist is a fascist. It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier on a fascist if the undesirables, uh, kill themselves. Instead of the fascists having to kill them. So I think, personally, I think they want to make sure that they control the message and make sure that it's much more, no, 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 you're an abomination, you're horrible, you're going to hell. They want to make sure that that's still the most dominant message and that nothing positive is out there because they want all those young people to kill themselves when they're teenagers so they won't grow up to vote. Yeah, yeah, and how dare they? They should grow up and have their voices heard and influence somebody else. And that, yep, they don't that like you, the fact that you all just these people said are alive. A different way of what I just said. Yeah, you they, meet somebody, it changes your mind. You're exposed to somebody, it changes your mind. Because heaven forbid, it's like all these. How how dare all these people live past the age of eighteen and grow up to fucking vote? And be loud, and who the fuck do these people think they are? You know, and I don't understand this whole, like, you know, gender, man, woman. Yeah, I've never understood. Who the fuck cares? I mean, I, it's... 
I mean, it's it's weird when you're when you're cis. It doesn't matter because everything is all laid out for us. But like, if you're trans, like I, I I've said it before. It's been years, but like I can't even define why I'm a woman. I just know that I am. Mm-hmm. Like, I know it's not my parts that make me a woman. I can't. I cannot define what it is in me that makes me a woman. I just know that that's what I am. But I do know that if, if someone else says, if someone else who has a different, who was born in a body that doesn't look like this, Mm. if they said, I can't explain it. All I know is I'm a woman. I have no reason, but to believe them because they're, they're, brain is like my brain they're like oh i can't explain it all i know is i'm a woman you know it's like they they shouldn't have to explain it any more than i should have to explain it see and that's interesting because you just said okay you know you're a woman right you identify as a woman yeah me all i know is you know i love my cock I think my cock is the most fabulous thing in the world. Yeah, but and you that also is, love other cocks, too. And I love other cocks. And that's sort of like me loving my cock is sort of being like, oh, I identify as a man, but I don't. I don't identify as anything. And now I've never really thought about this. I just, I know I love my cock. I don't want to be a woman. I don't want to have a vagina. I don't want to be a straight man. I don't want to be a drag queen. But I've never particularly defined, oh, I'm a man. I've never even thought about that before right now. I've never even identified myself as anything other than gay. And that is not gay male. Really? I've honestly never identified myself as male. Certainly never female. It's always been like, I got this equipment and I love it. And I know what I'm attracted to. But I have never identified as a man. And I've certainly never identified as trans or... No, I know. Bi or... Or non-binary. Non-binary. And I mean, I'm not... And please, when I I said that, well, I certainly never identified. I didn't mean that in a judgmental way. No, I know, but I've never... I I didn't... I wouldn't have thought that you've... That you didn't identify as a man. I have never... Honestly, now that I thought about it, it's weird. I just thought about that. Honestly... I have never, ever, ever thought of myself as a man. I've That's just really thought of myself as a person, and the only identity or sexual identity that I've ever had is like, I have a cock and I enjoy it. <laughs> but I've never thought of myself as a man hmm. or a woman. Right. I've just seen myself as like this. I'm just this thing. And again, I'm not saying thing in a no, 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 in a derogatory way. But that that is 
A hundred percent honest. That's interesting. And I have never, ever, ever, ever actually realized that before until just yeah, now. Yeah, because you definitely have never said anything like that I to have me before. never. Isn't that interesting? That's so strange. Wow. I'm going to have to do some journaling and some card I think reading. you do. Like, my goodness, what does this mean? How, How fabulous. How has that never <laughs> come up before? Oh, my God. Wow. You know, I love my dick and I love my man, but I have never identified it as anything other than Pitney. Right. Which, of course, you know, it's not my real name, but you know. Yeah. No. Yeah. I've never. I've identified as a science fiction fan, a Rennie, a Kiss fan, you know, blah, 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 whatever the fuck. Right. But never as a man. And like, and even though I know I'm a woman and I absolutely identify as a woman, if someone made a list of here's all these things, that you, well, you know how women are, 90% of what the you know how women are is like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not like any of that. You know, it's like how the description of the way people would describe most women. Nope, not me. But, you know, it's like, because I, I pretty much go, Ugh. you know, most things yeah. that, well, you know what women like, uh, no, which is why I always hang out with dudes. <laughs> and yeah. yet, and, it, and yet yeah. I, I've never thought of myself as a dude. I just tend to feel more comfortable around dudes. Yeah, but, it's interesting. Yeah. I've, I've literally never thought about this before until just now. It's kind of interesting. But you know me so well. You've known me yeah. for so long. You can see that, huh? I mean, it's... I guess in a way it's not surprising. It does make me wonder <clears throat> if that factors into relationship stuff, maybe? Because, like, if a guy is... if a, Like, if a guy is... Looking for a man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that. Because really, like we were just saying, we all are who we are. Yeah. And the rules don't matter. And definitions of words don't matter. So maybe I'm non-binary and I've never even known. Yeah, because there's a lot of people who, you know, kind of go kind of waffle back and forth a yeah because i think now that i think about it maybe i'm utterly non-binary because physically sexually i guess i'm a man and there's a lot of non-binaries who are and i guess mentally i've definitely identified emotionally in my mental process more as female maybe yeah in some ways but yeah, interesting. And you know what? I don't care. But the only reason it's even bringing this up is in this conversation. Is like you never fucking know. Well, that's why we have. And therapy. what does it matter? <laughs> because we are all the children of the goddess. Sure. Or God, if you're wrong. You know, and... And by the goddess, all, you mean, like, Dolly Parton, right? You know. 
For all the children of the goddess are God if you want to be wrong in Abrahamic. But, you know. Yeah. And it's all, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But interesting. Mm, I'm not, not... going to start, I am not going to start identifying as such, but maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not, non-binary. I'm not about to go around and change all our, you know, website and everything. I mean, no. I'm still going to say gay guy. Yeah, it's, maybe I'm, I'm non-binary. Hmm, and who knows? Who cares? It's all fabulous. It doesn't matter. Pitney, he's NB-tastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoy our show, please take a moment to rate and review us wherever you listen. If you send us a screenshot of your review, we'll send you a Bitchin' Boutique sticker. Everyone Everyone loves stickers! Please subscribe or add us to your favorites wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribers get new episodes first and are also more attractive. Drop us a line anytime at pitneyandamelia at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Oh, who I am it? like, I'm like Kiss. As Paul Stanley said, I am all, all things, things to all, all people. people. Exactly. Exactly.